In a moment, however, widely judging that one token of her shame would but poorly serve to hide another, she took the baby on her arm, and, with a glance that would not be abashed, looked around at her townspeople and neighbors. On the breast of her gown, in fine red cloth, surrounded with an elaborate embroidery and fantastic flourishes of gold thread, appeared the letter A. The young woman was tall, with a figure of perfect elegance. She had dark and abundant hair, and a face which, besides being beautiful from regularity of feature, had the impressiveness belonging to marked brow and deep black eyes. But the point which drew all eyes, and, as it were, transfigured the wearer, was that scarlet letter. It had the effect of a spell. The grim beetle now made a gesture with his staff. Make way, good people, make way in the king's name. Open a passage, and I promise ye, Mistress Prin shall be set where man, woman, and child may have a fair sight of her brave apparel. A blessing on the righteous colony of the Massachusetts, where iniquity is dragged out into the sunshine. Come along, Madam Hester, and show your scarlet letter in the marketplace. Preceded by the beetle, Hester Prynne set forth and came to a sort of scaffold at the western extremity of the marketplace. In fact, this scaffold constitutes a portion of a penal machine, which was held in the old time to be as effectual an agent in the promotion of good citizenship as ever was the guillotine among the terrorists of France. It was, in short, the platform of the pillory. Hester ascended a flight of wooden steps and was thus displayed to the surrounding multitude at the height of a man's shoulders. The witnesses of Hester Prynne's disgrace were stern. Even had there been a disposition to turn the matter into ridicule, it must have been repressed and overpowered by the solemn presence of men no less dignified than the governor and several of his counselors, a judge, a general, and the ministers of the town all of whom sat or stood in a balcony of the meeting-house looking down upon the platform. Accordingly, the crowd was somber and grave. The unhappy culprit sustained herself, as best a woman might, under the heavy weight of a thousand unrelenting eyes. Standing on that miserable eminence, she saw again her native village in old England, and her paternal home. She saw her father's face, with its bald brow and reverend white beard that flowed over the old-fashioned Elizabethan ruff, her mother's, too, with the look of heedful and anxious love which it always wore in her remembrance. She saw her own face, glowing with girlish beauty and illuminating all the interior of the dusky mirror in which she had been wont to gaze at it. There she beheld another countenance, a pale, thin, scholar-like visage with eyes that had a strange penetrating power when it was their owner's purpose to read the human soul. This figure of the study in the cloister, as Hester Prynne's womanly fancy failed not to recall, was slightly deformed, with the left shoulder a trifle higher than the right. Next rose before her, in memory's picture gallery, the intricate and narrow thoroughfares, the huge cathedrals, a continental city where a new life had awaited her, still in connection with the misshapen scholar. 
Lastly, in lieu of these shifting scenes, came back the rude marketplace of the Puritan settlement, with all the townspeople assembled and leveling their stern regards at Hester Prynne. Yes, at herself, who stood on the scaffold of the pillory, an infant on her arm, and the letter A in scarlet fantastically embroidered with gold thread upon her bosom. From this intense consciousness of being the object of severe and universal observation, the wearer of the scarlet letter was at length relieved by discerning on the outskirts of the crowd a figure which irresistibly took possession of her thoughts. An Indian, in his native garb, was standing there, but the red men were not so infrequent visitors of the English settlement that one of them would have attracted any notice from Hester Prynne. But by the Indian's side and evidently sustaining a companionship with him, stood a white man, clad in a strange disarray of civilized...